From DeFacto Sound, you're listening to 20,000 Hertz. The stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. This is the story behind sound in our solar system. When you think about sound in space, classic films and television, like Star Trek, immediately come to mind. Space, a final frontier. From the ambient drones in Alien, to the galactic battle scenes in Star Wars. Space truly is the final frontier in the study of sound. Perhaps the best marketing tagline in movie history came from the Ridley Scott film, Alien. In space, no one can hear you scream. That phrase is true. And not only because of the distance from Earth, it has to do with how sound travels. I'm Dr. Lori Glaze. I'm the Deputy Director of the Solar System Exploration Division at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Lori oversees about 300 scientists that study all the planets and small bodies of our solar system. You don't have sound in space because sound requires molecules. You have to be able to move the molecules with the sound waves. And without the molecules there, the sound just doesn't move. You can try and use your lungs to push the sound out of your mouth, but it won't travel anywhere. That tagline from Alien I mentioned earlier, no one actually heard that either, as it was never read as voiceover in the trailer. It was just text, silent text, perhaps meant to imitate the specific science that explains how sound travels, or doesn't. My name is Keith Knoll. I'm the chief of the Planetary Systems Lab at Goddard Space Flight Center. I think I've studied almost every planet or satellite in the solar system that has an atmosphere. Keith knows his stuff about planets and how sound might actually be possible on them. What is sound? It's the vibrations of uh, molecules in the air. It's a, it's a pressure wave. But, of course, sound can be transmitted through any kind of physical medium. So if you uh, are in a swimming pool, you can still hear sound. Uh, that's being transmitted through water. Earthquakes are essentially sound waves being transmitted through the solid Earth. Sound takes on many forms, but the kind that we're most familiar with is pressure waves moving through gas. The most common example of how different gases affect your vocal cords is the old party trick of breathing in a helium balloon. As the gas is, you're pushing it back out of your lungs over your vocal cords. Your voice sounds high-pitched like this. Because the density is lower, the vibration frequencies end up being higher, and that's why you sound like Mickey Mouse. Let's go from planet to planet in our solar system, starting closest to the sun. What would it sound like on their surface to our ears? Places like Mercury and these rocky bodies with no atmospheres would be similar to being in space. There would not be much sound, if any. Well, Mercury is an airless body, so you know we're back to listening for Mercury quakes, essentially. That would be you know, really the only source of sound. 
and you could only hear these mercury quakes if your head was pressed up against the rock, because there's no atmosphere for sound to travel through. Next up, Venus. In my mind, what sound would be like on the surface, because you have this really dense atmosphere, much denser than Earth's, the sound would be more like or tend toward what things sound like when you're underwater. If you could imagine something in between air and water, that kind of density, you're running your hand through that and you would feel that. If you were to just materialize on the surface in that environment of 900 degrees Fahrenheit and 100 times our atmospheric pressure, you would first be crushed and then you would probably just burn up completely. One thing we do know about Venus is that it has lightning. So you might hear thunder. I wonder what other things, like my voice, might sound like. I'm on Venus, in this ethereal world that's a mix between a gas-like atmosphere and water. I'm almost floating, but yet it's not as restrictive as being submerged in water. My voice, the thunder, It's all slightly muffled and distorted as it travels through the thick atmosphere. Now we're home. Earth. We're not going to stay here for long, but it's worth mentioning the amazing diversity of sound on our planet. The sandy deserts. Lush forests. The sound of the ocean both on the surface and below. It's a rich soundscape because our ears are perfectly in tune with it. More on that later. Now, Mars. And here's where it gets interesting since Mars has been the subject of so much fascination for thousands of years. It's one of the best places where life might have or could exist. Sound on Mars is gonna kind of be the opposite direction of Venus, right? Because the atmosphere on Mars is very, very thin compared to Earth's. And so there's just not very many molecules and sound requires molecules. Countless movies have been made about Mars, including the Hollywood mega hit, The Martian starring a stranded astronaut portrayed by Matt Damon. Love the movie. It's fun to watch. But it's not the Mars we know. It's a very different Mars. Hey! We might be able to keep the man from tipping! Watch out! So the real Mars isn't anything like that, but Mars does have an atmosphere, uh, albeit a thin one. So that storm scene wasn't quite accurate. You wouldn't necessarily hear the wind itself. You would hear the dust that's being picked up and it would be banging against the faceplate of your spacesuit. We also reached out to Scott Gazach, a research astrophysicist at NASA. So I enjoyed that movie a lot, but the atmosphere as it was shown was, was not scientifically right. Basically, the problem with what you saw in the movie there, where the atmosphere is so thick that it's picking up boulders and knocking things over, it's just, it's just not possible. I mean, the wind speed can get very high, you know, as high as hurricane force at the surface sometimes. So imagine a 100-mile-per-hour wind 
on Earth, if you were standing in a hurricane, and you know, obviously you'd be almost blown off your feet. If you were standing on the surface there in Mars and you put your hand out in that 100 mile per hour wind, you'd feel it, but it would feel you know, like a gentle breeze here on the surface of Earth. That sounds pretty cool. Standing in a hurricane, but it only feels like a soft wind. But you'd die pretty quickly, right? You wouldn't die instantaneously, but you'd want to be getting into shelter as fast as possible. First, the atmospheric pressure is dramatically lower than it is here on the surface of Earth. So all the water in your body would attempt to boil basically instantaneously. The water covering your eye, the water in your mouth, and even the, the water in your, in your cells and, and, and your blood. And that wouldn't kill you right away, but it would uh, be very uncomfortable immediately. You could probably survive for a few tens of seconds, um, maybe a minute. You could potentially get a very rapid dose of frostbite on your entire body. But um, again, you wouldn't necessarily die right away, but it'd be quick. And how about sound? What could we expect to hear? Our ears aren't really designed to work in that sort of very near vacuum sort of atmosphere. So we wouldn't hear too much. Maybe if you were scuffling along on the surface, you could maybe very faintly hear that sound as you were uh, clawing at the ground and, um, and gasping for air. The temperature, you know, obviously is colder in general. So that drives a lower speed of sound. And it seems that a lower speed of sound would tend to lower the pitch, make your voice sound deeper. But then the atmospheric density would kind of go to raise your pitch. So it seems like the pitch probably balances out. If voices won't carry far, how about a piano? The very high-pitched high-frequency noise at the, at the far right end of the piano, you probably wouldn't hear that at all. But maybe the deepest bass sounds that the piano makes, you might be able to just pick those up with a microphone if it was sensitive enough. We've explored the first four planets of our solar system and learned some of the ways their unique atmospheres and conditions shape their soundscape, or lack thereof. We'll continue this exploration of sound to the outer reaches of our solar system after the break. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On to Jupiter, the king of planets. What's interesting is that Jupiter doesn't have a solid surface. 
Hard to imagine, but the whole planet is made up of gas that just keeps getting denser and denser, eventually becoming a liquid the closer you get to its core. The pressure and temperature variations are what cause those beautiful swirling bands. So the interesting thing on Jupiter is that the pressure and the temperatures where the cloud decks are are actually not so inhospitable. Cloud decks? So you've got these very distinct cloud layers in Jupiter's atmosphere. So, you know, it's just fun to imagine. What would it sound like? Would you get, you know, these echoes because you have these super powerful lightning bolts, more powerful than anything on the Earth. So you'd have really, really loud thunder. Or you'd hear echoes of echoes of echoes just back and forth. It's fun to think about. How about the rest of the outer planets? Jupiter and Saturn, I think you could consider to be pretty similar. Uh, Uranus and Neptune are pretty similar to each other. So all four atmospheres are primarily hydrogen and helium. So if you tried to speak on any of them, your voice would be higher? I think so, because the atmosphere is, you know, 75% hydrogen, uh, which is even less dense than helium, and, and the rest is helium. You know, I think we'd all be Mickey Mouse on Jupiter and Saturn. And how about our old friend Pluto? Anything different? It is probably the thinnest bound atmosphere that we know, but it also looks really complex. I mean, it's got layers. It's pretty different, mainly because the temperature is so low. Nitrogen there is an ice. Carbon monoxide is mostly an ice. That's probably the weirdest, most different kind of place in, in terms of thinking about how composition, temperature, pressure would affect the sound. We've covered the planets and acknowledged our old friend Pluto. And it's becoming clear that detecting sounds throughout our solar system is pretty difficult. So I'm curious, why is it so easy for us here on Earth? Our ears are good for, you know, a very specific environment they've evolved. But once you take them out of that, they're probably not exactly the tool that you would want. But if you built, you know, an audio receiver and sent it to all these places, what could you hear that the human ear could hear? And then more interestingly, is what could you hear that the human ear would never be able to hear? That's what I want to know. Surprisingly, we have never recorded another planetary body with a traditional microphone. So, what does the future hold for us to truly be able to test our sound theories on other planets? There's going to be a microphone on the next Mars rover. The rover launched in 2020 is supposed to have a microphone on it. We expect that it'll hear a few different things. The sound as the rover drives across the surface, for example, you know, will, will be transmitted both through the atmosphere and through the body of the rover itself. You should be able to hear the, the, the wheels kind of crunch along on the sand and on the rocks. We're so accustomed on Earth to hearing sound associated with what we see. But in true outer space, no one can hear a titanic supernova explosion, or a hurtling asteroid smash into the moon, or even hear you scream. 
How rare is sound in the known universe? It's pretty rare, even just in our known solar system. Places like the moon and Mercury and these rocky bodies with no atmospheres would be similar to being in space. There would not be much sound, if any. When we think of Earth as special in terms of being able to even support life, it goes much further than that. It's one of the true places in the universe where sound is abundant and has impacted that life on an evolutionary level. You know, if you look at, uh, at life on Earth, being able to hear something seems to be a very big advantage, you know, biologically, right? From very simple species, animal species, there is a benefit to being able to hear sound because you can become aware of either predators or prey or food sources. So if I were to really get out my uh, speculation hat, you know, alien life in the universe would, would probably have an advantage to, to hear things also in whatever planet or, or ocean or atmosphere they lived in. However, these aliens might perceive sound in a completely different way, a way that's in tune with their own environment and perhaps hear completely different frequencies. When you think of space, it's mostly space, where no medium exists to transport sound. Yet, it's perfect for light. Light fills the universe, but sound does not. The whole universe is connected by light. Light anywhere in the universe can travel to anywhere else in the universe. But with sound, you really are a trillion different islands of sound. And they're all isolated because they're all stuck in this Space that doesn't transmit sound, it transmits light perfectly well, but not sound. Sound as we perceive it and understand it is so unbelievably rare. But it's abundant right here, where we are, within this thin blanket of atmosphere. But if we travel straight up, it goes away very quickly. It gets quieter and quieter until it's gone. Twenty Thousand Hertz is presented by DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound insanely cool. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was produced and edited by Kevin Eds. And me. With help from Sam Sneebly. It was sound designed and mixed by Colin DeVarney. We'd like to thank Dr. Lori Glaze, Dr. Keith Knoll, and Dr. Scott Gazach for speaking with us. We'd also like to thank Elizabeth Zubritsky, Aries Keck, Nancy Jones, Richard Melnick, and Kevin Hartnett at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. The music you've been hearing is from our friends at Musicbed. They license music from great indie rock and pop artists, as well as classics like Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis. Head over to musicbed.com to find your perfect track. If you or someone you know would like to advertise on the show, please reach out and we'd be happy to give you more information. You can contact us at hi at 20k.org or through the website. Finally, no matter what, we couldn't produce this show without you our listeners, and we need your help. So please, take a moment to share this show with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, in person, or wherever. For those who want to help a little more, we've set up a donation page. 
every bit helps us bring these amazing stories to our listeners. So if you love the show and have the means, please consider visiting donate.20k.org. You'll find all of these links in the show description. Thanks for listening.